Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Ajar and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Well, we've studied the uh, Buffalo. I, I, uh, Trent and I, are, I just think how they built it is really intriguing to all of us. How did they build that team? And uh, Buffalo's one of the time, in my mind, one of the best builds that in recent history. That is Urban Meyer today when asked about, because he says he studies other teams, right? Mm -hmm. And well, I'll tell you what, this might be a good team to study because the Bills are good, first of all. Yeah. But we have like a, like you could go off where they were just a couple years ago when they came to Jacksonville. Again, we've had this conversation over the years, but I think it's more relevant now because, well, here we are, Bills versus Jags. Yes. And where the Jags are, one of the bottom feeders of the league, and where the Bills are, one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl, mm -hmm. quite frankly. Uh, and so how do the Jags get there? It's, it's one thing to say, okay, this stinks. The Jags went in an opposite direction and didn't do well. It's another thing to say, like, okay, how are you going to get there? Like, we, we're going to always talk about, well, the Jags messed this up, didn't do this right, didn't do that right. That doesn't help you get many better. Yeah. So Urban Meyer and Shad Khan and Trent Baalke and the rest got to figure it out. And so I begin with the... What you, you, you have brought this up before, and it's a great example. What you got to do is, if you weren't around for this, the Jags win a playoff game over the Buffalo Bills in 2018, January 2018. It's the 2017 season. Yeah. It's a great season for the Jags to go to the AFC Championship game. It's the best one in the last 15 years by far. And they beat Tyrod Taylor. And actually, Nathan Peterman came into that game because Dante Fowler gave Tyrod Taylor a concussion. Yes. And they had a good roster, not a great roster. It was like a nice kind of surprise almost a year, I felt, for Buffalo to be in the playoffs. Yeah. But they weren't expected to do anything crazy. Mm -hmm. And it's a, it's a windy day. Uh, Blake Bortles was awful in the second quarter. They were killing him on the halftime shows, if you remember. And the Jags went on a Ben Koyak. By the way, where's Ben Koyak now? What's he doing now? Uh, ben Koyak touchdown 10-3. Mm -hmm. And the Jags go on to the AFC Championship game. The Buffalo Bills say, hey, let's rip this thing up. <laughs> yeah. We need to get a lot better. Mm -hmm. And where the Bills have gone from there and where the Jags went was, okay, let's give Blake Bortles another couple-year contract, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Let's try to keep building this thing. And by the way, the Jags should have tried to build stuff, and they had a good nucleus but instead, they ran them off. Yeah. People like Jalen Ramsey, Yannick Ngakwe, and you know the rest is history, and that's where the Jags are at. Now they have Trevor Lawrence, now they have Urban Meyer, now the rest. Um, what did the Bills do so right other than acknowledge that this wasn't the kind of team that was going to go win a Super Bowl, so they better go get a young quarterback and more pieces? Yeah. I'm glad you asked, Brent, because I did a little research. I like um, when you do watch research. The, watch the film. I didn't even watch the film. I just read, read a lot of articles and looked at Wikipedia <laughs> way too much today. Wikipedia. But, but hey, but, you know what? But, but I had some time, especially considering um, I had, like, a meeting going on. To, but it's all good, man. Don't worry about it. So, <laughs> I mean, it was a meeting that was just... I mean, I was kind of just kidding about it. Just tell us oh, what no. happened. Yeah, tell us what happened. So, yeah, from that point in 2017, which would have been McDermott's first year, I believe... Um, to the point now, what happened to the Buffalo Bills where it's like two ships crossing in the night, the Bills now are one of the best AFC teams, one of the best NFL teams in general, and the Jaguars, well, they're their Jaguars. And if you break down this roster to me and you break down just what has transpired, it all starts with the head coach. 
and it starts with changing around the culture. Because when before Sean McDermott got there, it was a mess. Yeah. Much can say like it was a mess in Jacksonville. Um, you had a head coach in Rex Ryan, who was the ultimate player's coach. You had a head coach in Rex Ryan who kind of let the locker room monitor themselves, but they didn't have the right guys in charge. So much to the point where Sammy Watkins came out and said, I don't want to be here anymore because there's no leadership. No one's being held accountable. We can't win here. Quote from Sammy Watkins. So they go in the exact opposite direction of a guy in Rex Ryan and bring in Sean McDermott. Kind of a no-nonsense, um, rough-around-the-edges, old-school type of coach. And one of his very, very under-the-radar, not-sexy players. No, here. not sexy at all. But, I mean, he, he comes with an attitude. Yeah. And one of the, the, the first things that he does when he gets there, they have a guy by the name of Stefan Gilmore. You might have heard of him before. Mm-hmm. One, of the, one of the best, you know, corners in the entire NFL. Was a staple in Buffalo for a while. Was a staple in that Rex Ryan defense. Sean McDermott gets to Buffalo and says, well, yeah, we, we can franchise Stefan Gilmore. We can maybe work with one of the, uh, I'm sorry, the best guy on our defense. Or I think he's not part to, of my, what I want to do with my philosophy, my mindset, and we get rid of him. Didn't even franchise Stefan Gilmore. Just said, nah, you, you can walk, go someplace else. We don't need you here. That was monumental. That was outside the box thinking of letting your best defensive guy just walk. Some would say no. stupid. Some would say stupid. But then what happens in the 2017 draft? And this was the year that McDermott takes over. Well, then you, you have to replace Stephon Gilmore, right? And, and the talk of the draft was who? Marshawn Lattimore, cornerback out of Ohio State. So the, uh, the Bills have the 10th pick. They trade that pick for Patrick Mahomes. Okay, now say what you want there. Probably should have got Patrick Mahomes. But in doing so, they lose out on Marshawn Lattimore. And all these draft experts are saying, well, you missed out on Marshawn Lattimore. What are you guys thinking? Like, who's going to replace Stephon Gilmore? Enter Tredavious White, who, you know, obviously McDermott liked from day one, thought he could get him deep in the draft, and guess what? He did at pick number 27, and then he got some draft capital that year too. That was a little outside the box thinking and saying, well, your guy was right there. Marshawn Landmore made the, the most sense. But for whatever reason, whether it was like a personality thing, whether it was a scheme thing, McDermott goes, we can get draft capital and we can trade down. Much like Jalen Ramsey going to L.A. and maybe Dave Caldwell taking a shot in the dark and saying, hey, well, yeah, we can't get Okuda, but let's go ahead and draft a guy in C.J. Henderson because whatever, for whatever reason, I like him a lot. Doesn't work out with C.J. Henderson. Paid dividends in Buffalo for Tredavious White. So Great that's, call. So, so that's and, one and example. By the way, must, don't just skip over the fact that, listen, you can get lucky sometimes, too, yeah. in all of this because they did have an opportunity to get Patrick Mahomes. No, for sure. For sure. <laughs> they said, no, thank you. Yeah, for sure. Right. No, and, and you're not wrong there. But keep in mind, Sean McDermott, defensive-minded guy. I think he wanted to revamp this defense first and then focus on the offense yeah. later. And by the way, so, I'll just add to that, yep. too. That's something I thought Gus Bradley made a big mistake in doing when he first got here, is he targeted the offense before the defense. Yeah. And he's a defensive-minded guy, and I, I like what McDermott does. Yeah. If, you're, if you're a defensive guy, make sure your defense is good. Yeah. And then go to the whatever your trade is. Yeah. Make sure you're good at that if you can, especially immediately. So let's stay on the defense real quick, and then we'll get to go over the, the sexier side and the offensive things that turn this team around. So on the defensive side, once again, McDermott has these types of guys that he likes. Two guys that, that would bring true here are guys like Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde. Now, I remember Micah Hyde because he played in Green Bay. Wanted a bigger contract. Green Bay, there was no way in hell they are going to pay him the contract. So he walked once again. Didn't think it was a good fitting Green Bay for him. For whatever reason, wasn't playing a, a good brand of football. Green Bay let him walk. McDermott goes... We can with Micah Hyde in Buffalo. Now, Micah Hyde in Green Bay was okay. 
he, he was never a perennial, you know, pro bowler per yeah. se. He was a he captain. In Buffalo. He, he had a great leadership quality, and he was a captain of that team, but they didn't consider him uh, a difference maker there in the Green Bay Packers. Well, McDermott brings him to Buffalo, and Micah Hyde now, one, one of the best players at his position. Uh, I think you can make an argument for, and Jordan Poyer alike. So once again, this is an example of, you know, the, the Bill Belichick model of sometimes you take the guys that aren't necessarily wanted, you, you take the guys that no one's really looking to get, and you bring them on your team because you're confident in your culture and you're confident in their abilities and you're confident in their mindset. On the offensive side of the ball, it's the same thing. Before we get to Josh Allen, you got guys like John Brown, guys like Cole Beasley. And I think John Brown is gone. Cole Beasley is still there. Once again, these are islands of, of misfit toys yeah. here. Who are not a lot of teams are going to give a chance to Cole Beasley. You know, and it was what? His fourth, fifth team? No one really just talks about him. John Brown at the time was just a guy, doesn't wear gloves. What a weird wide receiver he is, <laughs> you know? But, but in terms of, of, of going deep in that deep threat, John Brown was that guy. In terms of, of the slot, Cole Beasley is that guy in their offense. And it's another classic example of nobody w- w- was, was giving these, these transactions A-pluses. You know, they're Cole Beasley, John Brown. You gonna pay Micah Hyde how much? What are y'all thinking over there in Buffalo? Like all the transactions, all the draft picks that the Buffalo Bills have really had. I, 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 the more I read about it, no one really came out and said, "Well, that's a genius move." Yeah, right yeah. There. That, that, that's an A plus type of signing. So then let's get to the draft. Let's get to the offensive side of the ball. Josh Allen. A guy that had no scholarship offers coming out of high school in the middle of Wyoming, um, opts to come back for his last year there and doesn't have that sexy of numbers. And, and there was definitely scrutiny and there's definitely some experts that wanted to say, is Josh Allen really worth it? Well, McDermott saw something in Josh Allen and said, yeah, we think he's worth it. They traded it, up twice. Yes. It may take some time, but we think he's worth it. Well... That was outside the box thinking once again. That was a risky decision at the quarterback position, mind you, and it worked out. They Just so you know, they spent, they traded from 21 to 12 with Cincinnati yep. and then 12 to 7 with, um, I can't remember who, but 12 yeah. to 7. So then another guy that, that rings true, and I remember this draft, Devin Singletary. Now, you know, it's, it's a combination of him and Zach Moss. Singletary isn't necessarily like the workhorse in this offense, but he helps things out. The biggest knock on Devin Singletary out of college is he was way too slow. Yeah. I forgot what he ran the 40 in. It might have been a 4.7 if I'm not mistaken. Kid. Yes. Yeah. Might have been a 4.7 or 4.6. But, like, everybody's saying this guy's too slow. He's not going to work in, in a traditional NFL offense. He's too slow. Can't hit the hole. Why are you drafting him? Well, the Buffalo Bills did, and it paid dividends for him in the run game. And then last but not least, if you want to put the cherry on the proverbial thinking outside the box cake here, you got to talk about Stefan Diggs. Big Ste- time. Stefan Diggs, who a lot of people thought, and, and I'll be honest, including myself, and, and Brent thought this Looked too. Looked like an awful trade. Well, 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 here we go. But I thought like he was a product of Adam Thielen. Because at the time, Adam Thielen was probably the best, well, one of the best wide receivers in the league. And I thought, okay, Stefan Diggs is good because you have to garner all this attention to Adam Thielen. Because you put Adam Thielen all over the field, it doesn't matter. Stefan Diggs is, he's okay. He's a two receiver. He's not a true one receiver, man. You got Adam Thielen, it just makes life that much easier. The Bills traded a first round pick for him. We all said that was crazy. I said it was crazy. You think you said it was crazy too? They traded more than that. Yeah. Like, they yeah. traded a lot for yes. Diggs. Like, I thought that trade did not make sense for Buffalo. Now, to be fair, Minnesota got Justin Jefferson out of that. That's true. So that, that, that was a pickup for them. True. I mean, Justin Jefferson would have worked well in Buffalo. But I think you could actually say Minnesota won the trade. 
because yeah, of getting that and the other draft picks? I don't know who else they drafted. keep in mind, that year, though, Diggs led the league in receptions. It's a great, like, really, what you, sh- you would say is it's a win-win for, win-win. Both. for both. But the thing with Stephon Diggs was you had to worry about could he handle the one duty, but also where's his mindset at? Because yeah. he had a falling out in Minnesota. Yeah. And he wasn't necessarily he the, the best locker room guy um, in Minnesota. McDermott doesn't care. McDermott says, I have the culture. Um, we have the locker room to cultivate the best Stefan Diggs that we can. And guess what? Stefan Diggs goes to Buffalo. And have you heard any problems coming from the Diggs camp? I haven't. No. And he hasn't really been getting the ball this year that much, but I've heard nothing from Stefan Diggs. So in conclusion, in summary here, what have we all learned? We've learned that culture is the biggest proponent here in how to build a team. And once you have that culture ingrained and you know what, what the culture is supposed to look like and what, what the, the final product is supposed to look like, you go after your guys no matter what any draft expert, no matter what any expert on ESPN 690 says. You just do what you feel is right. And that's what the Buffalo Bills have done. And nine times out of ten, whether it's guys like Cole Beasley, guys like Stephon Diggs, drafting Josh Allen, drafting uh, Tredavious White, not signing Stephon Gilmore back, getting a guy like Micah Hyde. Whatever the case may be, they've done things their way, despite what people say, and it's paid dividends. Yeah, and uh, listen, the, the bottom line here is the Josh Allen trade-up and making, well, let's just go back to all the things you just said, making the right decisions, Yeah. right? Because a lot of people are convicted in their thoughts. A lot of people, this organization has been convicted in their thoughts and said that we thought this was going to be a, a good move. And it wasn't. Or like you said, maybe the culture wasn't right or the, the chance to grow and develop wasn't right. But they weren't the best of moves most of the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at a team like Buffalo who traded up twice to get Josh Allen. Well, was it really that different than what Gene Smith tried to do in trading up to get Blaine Gabbert? Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. They targeted a guy. They liked the guy. They needed the quarterback. Here's the difference. They weren't very good around him, maybe. Or they were just flat out wrong. And the other difference is this. They have now developed Josh Allen. Josh Allen was a guy that Jalen Ramsey famously said is trash. Mm -hmm. And he kind of was in his rookie year. It was rookie year, sure. I I mean, he was not good in his rookie year. He was was, uh, 52.8 completion percentage guy. Okay. 10 touchdowns, 12 picks. Uh, This was in uh, 11 starts. Did he have any rushing touchdowns? He... um, Mm, I have to look differently to find that. Probably. Uh, rushing, rushing, rushing. I will find it in a second. Uh, yeah, actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, that year at eight. Wow. Well, yeah. Yep. Eight, eight of them. Uh, and he still does a lot of designed runs. Like, they are oh, not yeah. afraid to use him, even as an MVP. A lot of guys, you know, like Kyle Murray, they don't want to use the running game that much right now. It's pretty obvious, right? Yes. Well, that's not the case with Josh Allen. Uh, but it's 67.9 ready. Year two. Gets a little better. They still win, even though he's only 58% completion rate. Mm. His uh, quarterback rating is a very moderate, an okay 85.3. He has 20 touchdowns, though, and nine picks. And let me go down to your rushing column. Nine. So he has 29 and nine. Yep. That's legit. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's pretty good. good. So he's got eight and (laughs) nine now. That's good, man. Uh, So what they were, though, in those first two years is very patient with him. They were patient. They developed him. Sure. What we see a lot is if a rookie had that first year, let's just say Tua, yeah. you try to trade and get rid of him, and it's not going to work. Like yeah. Josh Allen had a lot of those qualities of like, I don't think this guy's going to be very good in his rookie year. I mean, when you throw 52% of your okay, passes. Okay, but he had 18 touchdowns, though, total. Like, that's good. 
18 touchdowns and 12 interceptions as a rookie? I mean, I think a lot of teams would take that. Yeah. He's uh, never ran in a full season for less than eight touchdowns. Dang. And he's got three already this year. Well, I guess not already, but he has three this year. He has three this year. But also, I mean, he's he's built for that as well. He is Guy's built. built he's like a, a defensive big, end. big dude. He's yeah. a big dude. And, and so, but still, 52% completion rate is bad. Yeah, it's not. Like, that is really bad. Yeah. Uh, and so where has he gone? From last year, uh, or 2020, yeah, last year, 69% completion rate. So he went from 52 to 58 to 69. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. Like, you can march. Like, I think Bortles actually did get better with his completion percentage. I think you'll see a guy like uh, like Trevor get better as he goes along, especially coming off those first couple of games, which kind of tilted the scale yeah, early yeah. on. yeah. Uh, and last week, it really wasn't great either. But you're going to get better in completion percentage as you learn to dump things down a little bit. There's more accuracy. You know where the ball's supposed to go. But that's a huge jump now to go from 52 to 58 to 69% over a three-year span. I mean, that's incredible. What I think that is is teaching mm-hmm. and development. Like, they have done a great job with him. And then, of course, last year, 37 touchdowns, 10 picks. I mean, he was incredible, right? I mean, his, his QBR now or his QB rating is 107.2, and now he's in the MVP com- conversations and everything but, you know about Josh Allen. But if you just woke up for the last couple of years and watched Josh Allen, he is a completely different player yes. uh, than he was his first couple of seasons as the moral of the story. Let me ask you this, though. From Trevor Lawrence, would you take 18 total touchdowns and 12 interceptions this year? And then, you know, the, what was it, uh, the 52% completion percentage? Like, if, if Lawrence puts up that, uh, he, he puts up 18 and 12, um, 2,000 yards passing. Yeah. No. And then, uh, yeah, but, you know, it's, it's, it was a different. That was over 11 games. 11 games, yeah. yeah. And then a 52% completion percentage. So, I don't know, what, what, what would that equate to? Maybe 3,000 if it was... Yeah, probably, 16 games? Yeah, if you, if you spread it out. So would you take 3,000, 18, 12, and 52% completion percentage? My guess is I should probably say yes here. I, I just remember that I, I think also there is some of the eye test that it didn't look good with uh-huh. Josh Allen as well, all right? I mean, it wasn't good. I mean, they still won five games with him part- playing like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a bigger picture of... Yeah, I, I guess you're right. I mean, yeah, right now, I mean, what's Trevor at? I would take 18 and 12 right now because he's already at, like, Trevor's, nine interceptions. Trevor's got eight eight touchdowns, nine interceptions. I'm not sure. Does he have, he has he's two got running. two rushing touchdowns? Yeah, so he's got 10 and nine. 10 and nine. Right, and that's through seven games? Correct. So, I mean, that's – I mean, he's really – you know, he has brought the interceptions way down after the first three weeks. Yeah. Uh, but still – yeah, I mean, to your point, probably. But I also would say there's been times where it hasn't looked great, like it was out of sync last week. I think through his first six or seven games, I think more people would have been like, whoa, Trevor Lawrence, than Josh Allen. Yeah. Uh, and, and so maybe three years from now, Trevor Lawrence is this kind of Josh Allen. Yeah. He's probably not running well, for eight, nine touchdowns a, a year, but he yeah. might be running for four or five touchdowns a year. And uh, I get what it looked like from Josh Allen, where his rookie year, yeah, I didn't look the best. But at the same time, we're, you know, we crowned Trevor Lawrence, you know, rookie of the year because of all the accolades, because um, of all the acumen of saying, all right, you're coming from Clemson, uh, national champion, like, you know, the, the best pick since Andrew Luck, all of this stuff. 
with Josh Allen. It's like, oh, this guy could be a project, you yeah, know, project. Wyoming because guy, he's yeah. coming from Wyoming, didn't have the best numbers as last year there. So, you know, I think expectations for Josh Allen weren't that high to start with his rookie year. Yeah, I, I just think, I think, again, you got to watch. I haven't watched every Josh Allen game. Yeah. But I do think I watched enough early on, and the 52% was a real thing. That wasn't like a fake number. He looked very inaccurate. Mm-hmm. He had a cannon of an arm. We knew that. He's a big dude. He's a, he's a good athlete. But he looked, um, I mean, he looked very Bortles-esque to me, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. Yeah. A, a guy that, now he threw a better ball than Bortles, but he looked like a, an athlete playing the quarterback position that didn't really know how to play the quarterback position. Mm-hmm. That's what it kind of looked like that, you know, in the small samples I got his rookie year. Well, you go back to last year, and he made some of the, the most accurate, tremendous throws of the season. Mm-hmm. You remember those sideline plays he had last Absolutely. year in some of those games? Yeah. I mean, those sideline throws were ridiculous. Like, rolling to his right, boom, right on the money as a guy's got his tippy toes on the sideline. I mean, that's a guy who threw 52% completion rate his rookie year, yeah. and now by year three, he's throwing dimes like that. You know, and, and nobody ever questioned his arm strength or his athletic ability. But to fix the accuracy things that quickly, I just think it – a, a lot on him, credit to him, but a lot on the coaching and development, too. And so uh, I don't think, to be honest with you, Trevor, from a mechanical standpoint, has to clean that much up. Yeah. Can he elevate his game uh, to that point? And by the way, this is less about Trevor. This, I mean, the Jags feel like they have their Josh Allen now. All right. Now, can they build around him like this organization has done around Josh Allen? Mm-hmm. To me, this is an exercise in don't always give up on your quarterback so quickly. Because yeah. I think some people wanted to, and some people, nobody would have bought stock in Josh Allen after his first 11 games. The Bills, to their credit, did, mm-hmm. and they believed in it, and it's worked out to be really beneficial. And they they might win in the NF in this league now for the next decade because of it. Completely off topic, but I was kind of blown away by this stat here. So I mentioned uh, Tre'Davious White, LSU gets drafted uh, by the Buffalo Bills, pick number 27 of 2017. You want to talk about maybe the draft of all drafts, the 2017 draft, in terms of the talent that was in that draft. Give it to me. Miles Garrett, Mr. Trubisky. <laughs> Sorry, man. Uh, Jamal Adams, Christian McCaffrey, Patrick Mahomes, Marshawn Lattimore, Deshaun Watson, Marlon Humphrey. Uh, Evan Ingram was a pro bowler, but, I mean, say what you want about him. Tredavious White, T.J. Watt, Ryan Ramchek, uh, Buda Baker, Dalvin Cook, Smith-Schuster, Alvin Kamara, Chris Godwin, Kareem Hunt, Shaq Griffin, uh, Kenny Galladay, James Conner, uh, George Kittle, Aaron Jones. And the Jags took Leonard Fournette. I know you didn't leave Cooper Cup off of that list. Was he a first-rounder? No. Was but he in the draft? Yeah, oh, sorry. Ju- yeah, yeah, you looked at the highlighted players. You got to dig deep, Austin Lane. Well, was this ever a Pro Bowler? I'm looking at the Pro Bowl guys. Exactly. No, he was. he's oh, not a Pro Bowler. I'm sorry, yet. Cooper Cup. My bad. I stand corrected. Where, where's, what, what round was he drafted in? Uh, three, 69th overall. Oh, good call. And the Jags picked uh, Leonard Fournette. Uh, and again, yes. it's not like Leonard Fournette was a bust in that. Yeah. Uh, like, I don't believe Leonard Fournette was that, but they still, one, don't have him. Mm-hmm. And two, he wasn't some of those guys. I mean, that's a lot of guys are just named. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of guys, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, could have had Patrick Mahomes. I don't know if you want Deshaun Watson right now. Yeah. Uh, but you could have had a guy. You could have had a game-breaking guy in T.J. Watt. You know, yeah. you could have had, you could have had perennial Pro Bowl players yes. in that draft. Yeah. And Leonard Fournette is not that. He's yeah. a key contributor. Uh, even now for Tampa, but he's not that. Also, shout out to your dude in that draft, uh, Adam Shaheen. Yeah. Pick number 45. <clears throat> yeah, it hasn't worked out too well. Ouch. Yeah. What do you do? Uh, maybe I'll get in the Nationals Hall of Fame before him. <laughs> you never know. Hey, real quick, you were talking about Trevor. 
and the completion percentage and all that, without looking it up, just eyeball, like, from what you've seen, where do you think he is at completion percentage-wise and passing yards-wise? Uh, in the well, NFL? Right now, Casey, you're talking about? Just, like, what what his numbers are. Completion oh. percentage, he's probably in the 58 59% because he's had two. Even the last week wasn't awful, but it wasn't great. But he had two games. Like, he had a 14 for 33 against Denver, mm-hmm. and he was 28 of 51. I mean, those put you under 50. In fact, I think it was exactly 50%. So it takes a lot to come back from that. Now, in the next few, like, month, he was, like, 68%. Yeah, but and then last week he kind of dropped back a little bit. So I would say those will average out somewhere to be. I'd say 60%. probably fifty-seven, fifty-eight percent. I'll say sixty. Fifty-nine point six. Ah, so you were close, sixty. Yeah, and then yardage-wise, I would say yardage. He's probably he's had two three hundred yard games. He's probably at like, uh, let's see, seven games. I would say he's at sixteen fifty. I'm gonna say. I'll say 1,700 even. 1,703. It's pretty oh, good. Wow, you're right on the money. I'm just trying to keep it nice. I gave you guidance there. And then nah. obviously. Are off what I said? No. Nah. Obviously, eight, at the- nine touchdowns and interceptions. So, what does that project out? I mean, I'll be interested. I'll do a little math. What does that project out to? I've got a question for you. I want you to think about this during the break, everybody. Mm-hmm. And when we come back, I asked this question today in the media room down there at the building. Okay. Would you take. The 2017 Jaguars offense that played against the Buffalo Bills in this stadium in a playoff game. Yes. Or the 2021 Jaguars offense. Mm. Mm. When we come back, we discuss. Just for this year, you know, not, not like going forward, just this year. Yeah. Okay. Like, like, it, like the whole year to win you a game. I mean, I, I guess that doesn't really change my answer but Ooh, just if you had to nine. pick one to go play out there sunday right what do you now take? okay got it. okay done. All right. done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Done. okay done we'll be back action sports chats on espn 69 all these freaking parameters well hey i mean be more specific though yeah that's way up there you know it's just uh we we have to you know we're a year ago, the Jaguars had very little explosive plays, and we've had some this year, but not near uh, you know, professional football, as is the highest level of college football. Is it's, it's hard to take a ball and drive it 80 yards without big hits in there, and we just have to have those. That is Urban Meyer. All right, quick update on the projected stats for... This is really hard to do, by the way, the projected stats for Trevor. I, I think they are, because he was so turnover-prone in the first three games. He has not been that in the last four, so... His trend is different than how the numbers would project, if you know what I mean. Uh, what's interesting is his touchdowns have not gone like crazy up, you know. So it's, he's not going to be a touchdown machine this yeah. year. But I, I just, I guess I would bet against him throwing 20 interceptions because that's kind of what his pace is, mm-hmm. you know, for the year. It's now he might still throw 16, mm-hmm. but I don't know if he'll throw 20. Uh, and by the way, 16 would be a lot higher than I thought. And it looks like he's on pace for 20 touchdowns, throwing a couple, uh, about another maybe five running, yeah. which I thought, I think that some of our numbers were like 28 and 12 that we were kind of hoping for. Because that wouldn't be that far off on the touchdown front. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's on pace to throw for about, if my math is correct, about 41, 4,200 yards. I mean, which I guess is pretty darn average in the NFL these days. But Crazy. that's over 4,000 yards. Yeah. It's a 17-game season, so that makes it different. It does. Um, but, I mean, if you... I, I would assume I gotta I gotta go back and look at this now I forget uh, Bortles probably threw for over four thousand yards a couple of times but I think uh, Brunel probably did it just once maybe no Bortles did it just once fifteen okay he did it, he did it once did Brunel do it 
I'm pretty sure Brunel had one, but I could be wrong. Um, you know, they ran the ball so much back then. Yeah. And so efficiently, they weren't always thrown over so the So it looks yard. like 96, and that's it. Yeah, once. So so if so if he throws over 4,000 yards, like I don't think Garrard did. And so Bortles, Brunel, and Trevor Lawrence could throw for, become the third quarterback in franchise history, and yeah. he does it in his rookie year. Now, Bortles, in fairness, did it in year number two. Remember, that was the year he threw for like 35 touchdowns, but yes. he also had a lot of picks. Yeah. Um, so pretty wild. I mean, listen, I, I I believe if he could get his, from a Trevor standpoint, if he could get his percentage up like to 64%, mm-hmm. it's gonna, again, it's going to skew down a little bit because there were some bad games that, that are going to be factored in, and, and that's part of being a rookie. But if he could get 63 64%, if he could get 4,000 yards, if he could throw for over 20 touchdowns and closer to 15 picks, I feel like that would be pretty good. You know, and yeah. we're going to look at some games. We're going to be like, hey, he was really good here. We're going to look at some games. He was really not good there. And I think one thing has been consistent. They have not been great around him. I mean, they have they could be much better around him in terms of making plays. Um, and they, they got to get better at that. They, they can't drop as many passes. Mm-hmm. And, by the way, how much is his play going to be impacted if James Robinson can't go this week or, or the following week? That's something to keep an eye on because James is such an important part of it. All right, so the question going into the break. Which offense, if you could play out here Sunday against the Buffalo Bills, yeah. would you take? 2017 Jaguars or 2021 Jaguars? Ugh. I want to be perfectly clear before you start yelling about parameters again. <laughs> if I take the 2021 Jaguars, I do not get DJ Chark, correct? Because he's out. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean... Because, yeah. I mean, Allen Robinson? No, because you can't get Allen Robinson. No, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm okay with... Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, you can't get him. Yeah. Uh, they're both missing a key wide receiver. Yes. Uh, in both years. Casey? You want me to start? Your serve. Yeah, it's tough, but give me 2017 because I like the receivers better, and with the receivers that you have now, you're relying on Marvin Jones, as we've discussed a lot of times, to have the one massive game in this game if I need to win one game. And I just like the idea of D.D. Westbrook was pretty good in 2017. Keelan Cole was really good. Alan Hearns, I like Fournette. You had tight ends uh, that were there and alive. Um, but I would go with 2017. <laughs> <laughs> so we're doing this just so you know. Mm-hmm. You know, Everybody knows what the roster they're running out there right now. Yeah. Uh, if you go back to 17, O'Shaughnessy played in that game. They had Ben Koyak. Mercedes was still on that yep. team as a blocking tight end. Uh, they had Jeremy Parnell playing um, right tackle. And they had Patrick Omame playing left guard. Now, Linder, rookie Cam Robinson. A.J. Can, I think, w- was mm-hmm. playing right guard. They obviously have Bortles. They have Fournette. They have a fullback. Uh, as Tommy Bow. He needed Tommy some Bo. touches. All right. And, and then that puts it over for me. And then on. they got Cole. And they've got uh, Hearns was on that team. Uh, they got Marquise Lee. Didi. And Didi Westbrook. And I, I, I about named everybody. Honestly, a part of it that went into it was you have Fournette, but you also have T.J. Yeldon. And I, I like T.J. Yeldon that's over Carlos point. Hyde in this scenario. That's a good point. That's a that's a good call. He actually I mean, had he, he was, some he value was the receiving there. Back, Eighteen yeah. who got a little ugly, but seventeen he had some value there. Yeah. Um, what's crazy? Nobody believes this, but like that was a sixth. That offense was sixth in the NFL that year in total offense. Yeah. They were a top ten team in offense, believe it or not. Yeah. And what y- you said before the break, or maybe you said it in the break. 
you like the 2017 team for explosive plays. I did. Well, I just looked them up, yep. and they were about 18th overall in the NFL in explosive plays. Yep. So they were right in the middle of the pack. Yep. This year's Jags team mm-hmm. is actually a couple spots higher. <clears throat> now, do they count explosive plays different back then than they do now? <laughs> it was only five cars. Now, they did change no, the I'm Jags saying, abbreviation to J yeah. from J-A-C in 17 yeah. to J-A-X. No, we I'm appreciate that. What constitutes an explosive <laughs> run or explosive pass I don't think that's did changed. the artist shit? Okay. No, it hasn't okay. changed. Making sure. Uh, the other thing that's worth noting mm-hmm. is the numbers were skewed a little bit that year. You know, and this is the nature of the NFL. I mean, every team will have a stretch where numbers are skewed. But if you remember 17, in the month of December... Bortles and company put up, what was it, 30, 42, and 45 points in a three-week span in December. And if you look back at those numbers, and this recently came across like my Facebook memories because I remember the wall that says it all. He was the best quarterback in that three-week stretch in the entire NFL. He was the best quarterback in the NFL. Mm -hmm. That's why the Packers are bringing him in. Yeah, Yeah, you got 30, 30, 45, 33. Yeah, so... They had this incredible month, and, and, and I always give them a ton of credit because that was when they won the South. I mean, that was a huge month. It was in the right in the important time of year. Mm-hmm. So I don't mind not taking anything away, but they got in a groove. Some of the numbers were a little bit skewed by that, yep. uh, but they did it. And so now that you have all that as evidence, Casey says 17. Uh, and and we're, we're, here's where I would go with I'm asking you this question when they just got shut out, essentially, in Seattle. Yeah. Right? They did not look good. What you remember in 17 is an offense that put up those kind of numbers in December, and they, they were in a rhythm. They were in a roll. Like Nathaniel Hackett had them cooking at that time. I mean, they really had a good rhythm about what they were trying to do. I don't think you could say the same right now. Now, that being said, I still feel like I think I'd take this offense. Like, I think, this, I think Marvin Jones is better than any of those receivers. I think the Jags have a blocking tight end. Now, not as good as Mercedes, but they can get it done with Manhurts. I think Dan Arnold's way more explosive than anybody they've had at tight end. Yeah. I think their offensive line is very comparable. In fact, you could make the case that Patrick Omame, who played well, but Andrew Norwell on paper is way better than Patrick Omame. Let me ask you, the, and you got to keep in mind, though, because it's complementary football. You had a, a defense had that a constantly defense. gave point. you the ball back. True, so it, it's so hard to judge, but we can't put that into, into context because, well, the rules say that you don't have to do that. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that is true. I want you to look at the schedule of the Jaguars have coming up. Theoretically, and keep in mind, the game has even changed back from 2017. How many times can the Jaguars score over 30 points this season? Yeah, I really, uh, and that's a fair question, and I don't have a good rebuttal. I thought this was a game, the Seattle game, was a game that they could go there and maybe, uh, because they're a a 19-point-a-game outfit right now. Yeah. And I felt like in the first six games of the year, they were actually felt better than that if they were to not make some of the catastrophic plays like fourth and inches and stuff. And so I feel like they were more like a a 25-point-a-game offense. Like, it felt like they were doing that up and down the field. Um, But they're not. I mean, they were 19. So I thought the Seattle game was one where, hey, this might be their where they get to 27, to 30. Um, I I would imagine they will, Austin. Like, I I think they will. I think they'll get in a groove at some point where they will score – 27, 30, at least 30, 33. Okay, at least 30. Yeah, I, I think they'll have a couple of those. I think they're capable of it. There's a couple. I, I think they okay. will. Because I'm just saying, if you count the 2017 team, and once again, defense plays a part of this now in terms of scoring defense, but if you count 2017, if you count the, the Steelers game as well, 
they had seven times that they scored at least 30 points yeah. that season. Well, now, <laughs> you're right. Now, how many times have the Jaguars <laughs> scored 30 points this season so far? Yeah, that's true. Like, but they I, won't get to that. I, I will say this, though. Like, that de- <laughs> two Pittsburgh games, the defense scored yeah. maybe half of them. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know. I you. But, but no, you, hey, listen, it is what it is. Yeah. I know where you're going. So you think two, you'd sign up for the 2017 team. I mean, but you, yeah. you just brought up a good point, and I hadn't thought about that. The defense yeah. really is not, like, how would good of that offense have been if they had to play with this defense? It's it's really hard to predict. I mean, it's, it's probably not that good. No, it's not as good as obviously. Yeah. Tons, it's just yeah, it's it's hard to say. It's a fair point. Yeah, but uh, they, you, most people are taking 2017. Is that? I mean, I'm taking it. At? Yeah, I'm, I'm taking it right now. Yeah, I just I do I I think and it's uh, not a knock on Trevor Lawrence. Oh, no, no, it's not no, a knock on James. Well, by the way, Lawrence he's a rookie. I mean, means. that was a Bortles that was a Bortles led offense that was. Playing well. Like, yeah. Bortles was playing his best football of his life. Yeah. So, like, that's – you can say the name Bortles and Lawrence. That's not what the exercise is. Yeah. Uh, so, it's fair enough. Here's what I would say to you then. This is what I thought about. And, and again, I, I think the, the, the nature of what I'm trying to say is we can at least debate it. Right? I mean, in, in a year where the Jags went to the AFC Championship game, we can debate that this offense is not that far off from really the personnel on that offense and what you would take on an offense. Mm-hmm. Like, it's pretty similar player to player, uh, I would think, on a lot of levels. And no doubt you're going to ride with Trevor Lawrence now going forward. Um, and to be honest with you, even Allen Robinson, I would like, I think, Chark and ETN being hurt change this offense mm-hmm. even more if they're healthy. You know, then then Allen Robinson would have changed that offense, even though A. Rob's really good. Well, for this exercise, if Chark's healthy, I'm taking the Jags this year. It, you just significant on that for part this, alone for this game because okay, Trey White locks up Marvin Jones yeah. in this scenario. So the, or flip it, he locks up Chark. You have Marvin Jones in 17. He locks up give whichever one you want. You also then have Hearns or Dee Dee or I like what you have depth wise at the wide receiver to win one game versus this year if you lock up Marvin, all you really have is Agnew. Uh, yeah, that's fair. Let me let me say one more thing then about this, which I thought of today. Say you take 2017, and when did we say they got in a groove? Late November, right, mm-hmm. into December. I think it's on the coaching staff that has mm-hmm. a very similar kind of offense as 17. Nathaniel Hackett got that offense cooking. Yeah. He got him in a groove. Mm-hmm. And you're right, the defense played a factor. We can't ignore Huge that. Factor. But it's up to Schottenheimer mm-hmm. and Bevel and Urban to get this offense that has similar personnel being able to score in the 30s. Yeah. That's the nature of the beast in the NFL. Yep. And so we know their defense isn't going to be very good. Mm-hmm. But their offense... Oh, are you sure? Because I want to do the comparison of 2017 <laughs> defense versus the defense of this year next. No. Let's go over those numbers and see where we're at. But I think this uh. is, a, is a look at coaching now. Can they get Trevor playing well, his some of his best football, mm-hmm. in mid to late November into the month of December? And can they get the rest of the offense clicking? I don't think that's a big ask. Yeah. I think that's what you're hoping for with a young quarterback in an offense that kind of resembled one that got cooking in late November and December back in 2017. I just want that defense back, man. <laughs> yes, the defense I mean, back. I got, I have new Sac City t-shirts just waiting in the closet to be unleashed. What would the Jags record be this year if they had that defense? <sighs> they win the Arizona game. Yeah. Denver. I think, I mean, I think things think drastically change. they beat Denver change. and Houston? I think things I mean, Houston's weird. Change. Houston was such a bad game. Like, yeah. I don't even know how you, you probably, factored in. You probably don't beat Houston because you kept turning the ball over, right? Yeah. yeah. I don't know, man. That defense was so good. 
That defense was so good. I mean, Clay, if you want to be honest, Clay's Campbell probably would have had, I don't know, eight sacks that game, yeah. first game of the season. About ready to cry. We'll go yeah, to break. Sweet, sweet exercise, exercise Brad. Thanks, ESPN. man. <laughs> it was good back then. McCoy says. Now here we are. We relive the glory days Sucks making us baseball. sad. Yeah. Fuck Braves. <laughs> we'll be back on ESPN 690. Maybe we go to the butcher shop with some golf picks. <laughs> oh, it is, it's Wednesday, isn't it? It is Wednesday. Oh, Brighten up your day. We'll be back. I think defensively, I think, you know, when you got Josh Allen, it overs, you know, they, they start talking about, but they lead the league in defense. You watch them play defense, you can tell they lead the league in defense. It's not because they're tricking you. It's because they're just really well coached and have great players everywhere. That is Urban Meyer today talking about the uh, Buffalo Bills. I got a feeling there's going to be a lot of Bills fans in town on Sunday. Breaking tables. Got to love it. I, I take actually, it you don't love it. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't. I mean, whatever. Fan, I, you know, people get so... Out of uh, all the things fans do, where does breaking tables, like, <laughs> that's a good rate for you? Well, I mean, it, I, I just can't get over the stupidity of it. I mean, what, like, what they're jumping off to do. Like, I, I don't know what the statistics are, but how many people end up in the hospital and end up with, like, spinal injuries? Like, I don't it's know. There's got to be a couple. Right? I mean, it's had to have happened. I mean, they're drunk. And they're jumping off like buses and landing into tables. I mean, it's it's really one of the it is probably the most ridiculous thing that's done in sports fandom, isn't there? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's up there for sure. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean the level of stupidity in that. Yeah, but again, like people get it's one thing to do it. Like there's it's like, like a, a fun passage. thing, right? Yeah. yeah. It's but there's like a fun thing about it. But then because like everything else, people go from fun to stupidity. Yeah. And when you're jumping off a high dive and landing on a table into some cement and you're hammered. And sometimes they're on fire. It, yeah, it doesn't yeah. make sense. Awesome. Yeah, but wrestlers do it all the time. We celebrate them. Are they drunk? Eh, are they drunk. But they are after because it hurts so bad. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's really stupid. No, I'm bad. I'm with you, man. I, I mean, mean, you do some crazy things, bro. Would it. you do that? Well, I if mean, I try to spend, would you do it? What I do, I jump through the table, put someone through a table. Because for the playoffs back in 2017, the plan was to put my friend through a table, but then he chickened out at the last second. Mm. Like, we had it all set up. Like, there's Bills fans by us. So, like, you put your friend through a table? I'm like, yeah. My friend's like, all right, let's do it. And then we, like, I got him up there, and I put him, like, in the choke slam kind of thing. And then he's like, no, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm like, all right. <laughs> Maybe a couple more shots here there would have changed it, but nah. If we ever get back to that point, I'll do it sober. You can put me through Seriously? Yeah, I don't care. All right. What do I have to lose? I think we said on our Monday show, so would we jump through a walk? table if the Jags... Would we jump through a table if the Jags upset the Bills? Yeah, I'll do it. Brent, can I slam you through a table if the Jaguars win? Sure. Seriously? That'd be kind of fun. Seriously? Yeah. Casey, you got that? But see, even yeah. if you slam I mean, I'll do it to you too, Casey, but I figured... Well, know. I don't need to do well, it. Well, Brent's going to do it, but like... It's better than jumping off like something from 15 yeah, feet no, in the air. I'll just... I'll, I'll, I'll lightly pick you up nice and gently, kind of like uh, the, the Lion King when it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, and then I'll slam it <laughs> through the table. <laughs> I like it. You know what I'm saying? Listen, if the Jags win, maybe I'll go for that. Can the tail be on top? Now we're getting a little crazy because you might mess up my hair. Stop, drop, and roll, dude. You're fine. I got the on oh, fire Brent's got chicken out. Go right. ahead. Oh, hey, I've never been so pumped for a Jaguars game. I will not chicken out. <laughs> All right. We'll be back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Football at 5.